Well, thank you, uh, Sean. It's great to be with you. And uh, hello, Reading Family Church. Um, much love from Oxford. Uh, I've got the joy of leading as one of the pastors, Emmanuel Church in Oxford. And uh, I know that uh, all of my, our friends and family in Oxford send their love to you here uh, this morning. It's, it's great for me to be here. And uh, I've got a deep, I mean, obviously we won't waste too much time with the mutual brotherly affection that Sean and I are going to kick back and forward together, but really appreciate working actually with Sean, with Scott and with Andy. Uh, not many weeks in my work life go by without me chatting to one, two or maybe all of them in a week or Zooming them. Uh, so we're actually much more connected than you perhaps realize uh, with me being here uh, this morning if you don't know me. Uh, back in June, we had our Catalyst Leaders event, and uh, we had a guy called Steve Appel uh, with us at that event. He's a brilliant leader, uh, not a part of New Frontiers, but would have much similarity with many of our values. And Steve Appel at our Leaders event um, in June, he said uh, that actually we end up living in the story that we tell ourselves most. And that really resonated with me. Because I'm a bit of a, a news addict, you know, I love the BBC News uh, app. I can spend far too long in a day there. And uh, if you're not careful, even as a believer, you can find yourself actually shaping your sense of identity from the story you tell yourself most. And I just want to encourage you this morning, there is a remarkable story happening around the planet about God being on the move in our generation. And that story isn't being told in high volume very often. And I just want to encourage you uh, that God is on the move. There are amazing things happening. And just firsthand, I just want to tell you how God is on the move in maybe smaller ways, but in powerful ways in Oxford and in my life. And a, a few months ago, we had a prayer meeting. Somebody in our church prayer meeting said, I feel like God's got a word for us as a church family here in Oxford. That word is 2 Philippians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. And I feel like God's going to give it to us as, as a challenge for the next year. This dear lady then read, read beautifully Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. We really felt God meet us in that meeting. We got to the end of the prayer meeting. Nobody moved. Nobody wanted to go home which isn't always the case, I have to say. And we got to that point, and I said, I feel like God's not done with us yet. The next day, we went into the church office. And uh, first person onto the office inbox on the email was uh, our um, kids and families worker. He shouts across the office, Matt, I think you're going to want to see this email. So I said, okay, forward it to me. So he forwards me an email, and it was sent the previous night while we were meeting, having the prayer meeting. And it said, hi, you don't know me, and I've never visited your church, and I live in this town. And she said, I feel like since having long COVID, I can't get out and I can't go to my own church family. So God has laid on my heart to pray for Oxford. So this month, I've been on the internet, and I've worked out all the churches in Oxford. And last night, it was Emmanuel's turn for me to pray for you. So last evening, I prayed for you, and while I was praying for you, I felt God say that he has a challenge for you for the next 12 months, and that challenge is Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. And this dear lady who's 80, bless her darling heart, wrote it out, typed out 
that for us. I mean, God's on the move. I mean, that's remarkable, isn't it? I thought that was remarkable. I thought that was, isn't that amazing? A friend of mine who's a pastor in a New Frontiers church phoned me. This is some months ago. This is the end of last year. He said, Matt, I feel like God's going to do something big, and I just don't know what it is. But I feel like God wants me to burn a bridge before he's going to reveal what he's got in store for us as a church family. And this is the bridge that I think I'm going to burn personally, and I can't tell you what that is. And I said to him, okay, well, we know that faith pleases God. So do what's in your heart to do. So he said, okay, okay, I'm going to do it. He phoned me the next day and said, I did it yesterday afternoon. He said, last night we had an email out of the blue from somebody we've not met saying we're going to give the church 100,000 pounds. And he said, now I don't know now whether that email would have come if I hadn't burned the bridge in the afternoon. I said, don't start undoing it. God's on the move. There are amazing things happening. I'll give you one more. In Emmanuel, we've wanted to house a refugee family of six, a mum and dad with four children. We've been trying to rent them a house. And it goes like this. If the house is worth renting, the person who owns it doesn't want a refugee family in it. Okay? But you're very welcome to rent a house for your refugee family that you wouldn't want to live in. Okay? So we don't want to buy them a horrible hole to live in. Okay? To rent that. We want to rent them a really nice home. But the really nice homes don't want a refugee family. So we said, okay, we're done with trying to sort this out. Let's pray. So we got praying. We found a fabulous house. The Buddha should live in this house, (laughs) actually. And I'll rent my house to the refugee family. And, And we said, okay, but there was so much interest in this house. The person who owned it said, I'm going to have interviews. I'm going to meet the 10 people who want to rent this house because we want to make sure as a family we choose the right people. So we're like, oh, no. And immediately your heart sinks, thinking, well, that's over then. But our team leader for the project went, met with the freeholder, and she was third or fourth on the interview day to go in and meet the freeholder. The freeholder says, so what do you want to do with our house? Why do you want to rent it? And our team leader said, well, I'm here representing Emmanuel Church. We've got a refugee family, and we want to rent this house to to home a refugee family. And the freeholder just burst into tears and said, you've got the house. You've got the house. And as far as we know, they're not Christian believers, but they've got a tender heart for refugees and were hoping one of the 10 would be an ethical placement. Isn't it? God's on the move. Like amazing things are happening. Now, if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to turn to Acts chapter 6. Sean tells me you're about to get underway with a series looking at the church. And I would love us to just spend some time looking at seven verses in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. As we we turn to these, these chapters, it's a beautiful mix of spiritual revival, remarkable things happening pragmatic needs and leadership demands, cross-cultural mission, practical projects. It's all mixed in together. And we have seven verses that when we read them superficially can just feel a little bit superficial and a bit kind of, 
you know, keeping us up to date without a lot of kind of spiritual insight within them. Yet actually, if we stop and look at them, we realize they are absolutely full of spiritual value and insight. And there are seven verses actually that have challenged us in Oxford that we've really pondered on. And like many things in life, I find that I'm tracking Sean Green's leadership gift. Like I'm holding on to Sean's coattails most of the time. And I'd say there's so many best blessings that bless into our church in Oxford because we see what you guys are doing here in Reading and think, well, that looks like it's really being fruitful. And we just cut and paste. God bless you. <laughs> and so we're going to look at these verses together. Just to give you a bit of a tune in, the previous verse, um, Acts chapter 5, verse 42, says this, Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Now, before we read the verses that we're going to study just for the next 20 minutes or so, 25 minutes or so, we need to recognize that there are seasons in church life when things spiral down. Okay? They happen. We've had a tough couple of years with COVID as churches, haven't we? We're kind of regathering now. Sometimes things happen inadvertently. Sometimes things happen in church families with relationships or whatever, or with the pandemic as we've experienced. But there are also seasons, praise God, when things spiral up. The church in the UK is in one of those seasons, okay? Things are spiraling up. Momentum is such a precious commodity, spiritual momentum. We can't make it happen. It's not part of a leadership gift to make momentum happen. The Holy Spirit adds momentum to God's people. And we are in a season where momentum under God is growing. And it's a beautiful thing. And that momentum affects everything. It affects growth in unity, things go deeper. Cultural diversity, things get broader. Energy for communities, things go further. Serving, giving, loving, worshipping, it's a beautiful thing to see when God's people spiral up. And that's what we find in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 to 7. Verse 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, that literally means Greek-speaking and culturally Greek, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith 
and of the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed, laid their hands on them, and so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So, Father, we just ask you to help us with these verses. We pray for your nourishment for our heads and hearts from them. And we just say we're open, we're available to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I've just got five points, and we're not going to linger long on any of them, but I'll leave them for you to chew on and maybe talk about later. Number one, I would say seasons of growth tend to come with challenges. It says in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, two groups actually of believers began to kind of have friction with one another. I used to work in an office before I worked for the church and the management offices were upstairs and the kind of business operation was downstairs and in the stairwell that linked those two floors was one of those big framed motivational posters with a picture of a tanker uh, on a stormy sea and it said anybody can steer the ship when the sea is calm. And our boss wanted us as managers to know that actually your job was to steer when the sea is not calm. Okay, so don't pat yourselves on the back when everything's calm. Anybody can steer the ship then. But there are moments, even in church life, where growth tends to cause challenges. And here we see it, don't we? The disciples were increasing in number. You know, we, we kind of, we want growth, don't we, in our churches? We want it. Sometimes when it happens, it's less attractive than we imagined it might be. Because our groups of friends, the dynamics change. New people are there, which means you can't keep investing all of your relational time in your same small group of friends. Because there's new people that need to be adopted in. Which means we have to say no to our preferences and yes to new people. So over the summer, we've every month met for bring and share lunches on a Sunday, once a month. Every Sunday we say, this is not a lunch for old friends, this is a lunch for new friends. Please don't sit with people you know. Like get over the squeamishness of saying, I'm really sorry, I've, I've seen you at church for a few weeks, but I don't yet know your name. Like get through it. Like even the number increasing causes challenges. The Hellenistic Jews, it says, complained against the Hebraic Jews. There was some friction like growth always has the potential for causing friction because things change. All of a sudden, we can feel leapfrogged. They've only been here two years. They're already doing the notices. What? <laughs> what? And it's amazing, isn't it, how small things become big pains in our hearts. And it says because their widows were being neglected or overlooked in the de daily distribution of food. So even offense 
in seasons of growth. It is possible. So we think growth, when we pray for it in our prayer meetings, God, bring it in. We're like, yeah, I hope. I hope it's going to be all right. So number one, seasons of growth tend to come with challenges. Number two, seasons of growth require mature responses. Not just from those who are leading the church, but from all of us, mature responses. So when seasons of growth come and things are spiraling up, we need to be at our most ready to be mature. And to say things like, it really doesn't matter. It's fine. I'm all in. It's fine. No, the way I serve's changed because other think that's fine. You know, the shape of my team has changed. That's fine. It's okay. It's fine. We need mature responses. It's interesting here. It says the 12 gathered all the disciples together. Isn't it interesting? Like our human kind of conditioning without the power of the Holy Spirit is to let times of difficulty or change or friction, it's like centrifugal force that throws people apart. And we've seen some of that over the last couple of years in Oxford. I don't know what it's been like here, but we've seen some of that. But here the instinct is growth has caused a set of challenges, so let's gather closer together to solve some of those issues together. And I think, to be honest, seasons of growth, these, these seasons when the Holy Spirit causes church to spiral up can quickly dissipate, like pulling the plug out of a sink, the water drains away. Like those seasons of high momentum can drain away if God's people lack gospel maturity when it counts. It's so important that we dig deep in seasons of change and don't get, as Sarah used the word brilliantly at the beginning, brittle. It's a great word. So it says, so the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it will not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. So recognizing who should be doing what and where and having clear communication without feeling squeamish is so important when church life is spiraling up. We should be able to speak openly, speak the truth in love without the fear of tripping over one another, particularly in seasons of growth. Now, I'd say in many ways, life has been a bit of an unexpected season, really, over the last couple of years for all of us, for obvious reasons. And just as in the early church setting here in Acts, we no doubt have had some kind of senses of maybe being overlooked or feeling a little bit of friction. Who knows? Perhaps you're here today and say, actually, I have found the last couple of years in church life difficult. I do have actually one or two friction burns from the last couple of years. Maybe you say, I don't just feel overlooked, I have been overlooked. There's only one way to handle friction burns. And that is to gather together and to gather to him. Without Christ, the central fugal force of hurt throws people apart. But by the power of God at work in us, 
in those seasons with mature responses, we can reverse that human instinct and say, no, I'm a new creation in Christ. What we'll do is we'll gather in and we'll gather up. So I'm not going to let, actually, my friction burns define how I interact in this family. But I'm going to go to him. So seasons like we're in across the UK and our churches, praise God, actually gathering inwards for dialogue and decisions, this is like repair, reset, and go season. So I love your language around Jump Sunday. It's beautiful. Okay, moving on. Number three. Seasons of growth and challenge tend to draw more people into the action. Empowering others is key if seasons of growth are to be fruitful. So it says, verse 3, Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom and will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. And it's a wonderful moment, really, of raising and releasing. And it's a moment of family sharedness that we get to observe on the pages of Acts chapter 6. The 12 gather all the disciples together. It feels like all of the disciples that were involved in this project are all gathered together. And the family is invited to solve the current problems together. This isn't one or two people behind locked doors. This is the church family owning community issues to find community solutions. And it says seven men were chosen from among them. They're going to have that whole responsibility handed over to them so that those who should be praying and doing the ministry of the word are able to maintain that level of commitment. And here we see the first deacons appointed. Now, I know you guys already have deacons. It's a real blessing for you. And again, we are following Reading Family Church. So this term, we're about to propose in Oxford and appoint our first ever deacons. And we're really excited to see what God might do. It's interesting that all the people were involved in solving and actually seven men were appointed to solve this particular issue. Now, I didn't know when I was invited to come today that today was Sign Up Sunday, but I feel the Holy Spirit might be speaking. (laughs) Inevitably, when things spiral up and the season we're in is growing, it tends to gather more people into the action. So... I know what it's like. I'm quite a cynical person. I have to overcome that. I have to get out the hammer of the nails and not roll my eyes at moments when the Holy Spirit wants me to be open and sensitive. I just want to encourage you. You are in a spiraling up season. And the Bible teaches that in seasons like that, if we make mature responses, it tends to empower more people to the center to get involved. So Sign Up Sunday isn't simply about getting the jobs done. It's about becoming shareholders in the direction of travel that God is taking your church. It's like saying, okay, I haven't been in, but count me in. I've got some skin in the game here. I'm in this. Okay. Fourthly, seasons of growth tend to broaden cultural diversity And the church in the UK must learn how to steward this well. This is amazing. Just think about this. It says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, full of the Holy Spirit, 
They chose Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas. It's amazing. The issue that's arisen is actually an ethnic issue. So they're all widows. They're all Jews. But some are Hebrew Jews and some are Greek Jews. And the Greek Jews are saying, we are at the back of the queue because ethnically, the Hebrew widows are being preferred. And the apostles hear about this. It arrives in their inbox on a Tuesday morning. (laughs) And what you have to be really, really careful about is not instantly trying to solve the problem. But the apostles show wisdom here and they say, actually, let's gather everybody together because this needs to be resolved. And the outcome of all of it is they appoint seven Greek men to represent the minority that's being overlooked. So one commentator, F.F. Bruce, says, all seven men had to be Hellenists, culturally Greek and speaking Greek. This conclusion rests on far more than the fact that they all have Greek names. And he goes on to give his reasons why. So the apostles and all the disciples say, we've got a problem here between Hebrews and Greeks. So let's appoint seven really gifted Greeks to help overcome this issue. That's a powerful word to the church in the UK. We felt that we had an integration, have an integration issue, a weakness, an Achilles heel in our church in Oxford. Two years ago, I was preaching 1 Corinthians chapter 12, one body, many members. It's one of those moments where God ambushed us through the preaching, even the preacher. And I was speaking, saying, we don't want to be a monocultural church, a church where everybody is a knee or everybody is an elbow. Like we want actually to have a wide diversity on every axis in our church, educationally, economically, ethnically. We want it all to be diverse, and we're not. And after that, a dear couple came to see me and said, Matt, I feel there are some areas that we could get stronger in around inclusion and creating greater diversity. So I said, can I come and see you? Let's have an evening together. And they had some fantastic ideas, just stunning ideas, things that hadn't even entered my dull brain. They said, we never understand. We do a lot of hospitality as a church together. We have hog roasts in the summer. We have church picnics. We have bring and share lunches. And we never understand why, why as elders don't you do seating plans for those events? Because everybody sits with their little friends, their groups. And if you're not in, there's nowhere for you to go. So we've lost count of the amount of church lunches we've had where we've struggled to find other families to sit with. And I could just feel the color draining from my face like, no, really? And this dear couple have helped us so much. They're beautiful, beautiful people. They happen to be a husband and wife team, both black Kenyan people, beautiful people. We've appointed one as a trustee, the other is helping on, in other teams, and we're asking both of them to help us on this whole area of diversity. 
And the Bible tips right into that. It's super practical. And when things are spiraling up, when things are growing, there is great opportunity to stretch our muscles on solving issues around inclusivity. Okay, fifthly, rightly handled seasons of growth produce ongoing momentum. It says verse 7, so the word of God spread. Number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So what had started just continued to get bigger. Isn't that amazing? That's what happens when seasons of growth are handled really well in local churches. I just want to make one or two little points of application and I'm going to invite just a prayer moment and hand back to Andy and Sarah. Church life is rarely static. And we do really well to pray and ponder and decide what season our church is in. Like, don't fly blind on the season that Reading Family Church finds itself. Secondly, seasons of growth create opportunities for dialogue, for gatheredness, for decisions and change. And you are in a season of growth. I suppose I'd also say seasons of change can cause the friction, burns, and pain that I mentioned earlier. Which if we don't deal with those in the moment, they just continue to cook and hurt and cause dysfunction. Not just for only us, but for the wider church family. So I just want to encourage you, if, if you're at the kind of the point of being soft-hearted to what God's doing here, and you recognize in yourself actually a, a, a fresh kind of recommissioning moment for everything that's ahead for RFC, or you say, actually, I do feel that I carry one or two friction burns or pain, I just want to pray for you and then hand the meeting back, Okay. This is an opportunity to hit a reset button and to get ourselves ready for all in for what God's got next. So if you count yourself in any of those categories, ready to be recommissioned, like, okay, I'm up for this. I want to know God's leading for what's next. Or if you feel like you've been overlooked or you carry some friction burns that you just want to deal with now, bury them, give them to God, I just encourage you to stand right where you're at. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to hand back to Andy and to Sarah. So one or two of you go for it and I can promise you others will follow. Don't be timid.